time to be doing that bullshit. bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. It's 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 so are we starting? Let's just start. Let's just start. I mean, yeah. I think we're Marvel just snapped me again. They done snapped me again. I find myself playing Marvel Snap way too much. You know? It's a good game, bro. It, it's it's a good game. It's a great game. And it it and it's and it's and it doesn't take too long to play a game. So you go, I mean, maybe a game takes the the maximum a game can take. Like if your opponent is just stalling on every like no one does it, but if they were just a complete asshole and wanted to stall on every turn, the longest the game can take is like five minutes. Right. But if everybody if if everybody's on the ball and playing quick, you know, you a game can be over in thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen, or you can make a motherfucker quit real quick. I've seen that happen. I've, sometimes you play one card and people are like, fuck. You know, so it's, 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 it, it, it doesn't take long. You can play it right quick. And, you know, it's the first game that's ever been on my phone that I play more than chess. Even Slay the Spire, I didn't play more than I played chess. I played Marvel Snap more than anything. We got we to gotta play chess, Brian. I haven't played. I haven't played. I used to play a decent amount of chess, like back in college. Yeah, um, well, I was okay. One thing is, but I'm not like great. I'm not great at chess. I'm pretty good, but what chess does for me is because I like to play the five minute games, mm-hmm. and because you have to move quickly to conserve time, it does. It, I like to play, like I like to play in the green room because it it makes my mind go make quick decisions you know what i mean it puts me in the yeah in the mind state that i that i that i'm that i like to be in on stage where my mind is just thinking fast and making calculations fast so it's chess is one of those so you know you know like fast brain slow brain right Mm. like how um humans have evolved to have sort of um they talked about a a lot about this in the in the book nudge and there i think there's also a book ironically called snap or something like that Mm. and basically um you can divide the way that the brain works through problems into two different methods one is like a very slow uh method but it leads to more accurate outcomes okay and then you and then you also have a very fast part of your brain that reacts that reacts very quickly and what's interesting is the the faster one you would think would be more economical. Like that's why it's faster, but it's actually not the case. It's actually, you use way more mental faculties for the fast thing, but your brain is taking into account a whole bunch of factors that you are not conscious of. And Mm. one of the things that they, um, one of the things that they studied, they studied people who were fire chiefs, and had been fire chiefs for like, you know, 10, 15 years and how they could intuitively know, oh, we need to get out of here right now because this floor is about to collapse, like that kind of stuff. And they can't articulate the specific things necessarily that they picked up on, but their brain did. Right. Right. And what's what's interesting is that chess is um, chess is one of those games that uses both fast and slow because um you can sit there and just work through you know a ton of different outcomes 
um, if you had infinite time. But when you had when you play speed chess, or even when you just have the standard clock, it makes it so that you do have to rely a little bit more on your intuition and the patterns that you have developed from right. playing, you know, thousands and thousands of games. It, it puts you in a mind state where you're 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 right. Like you because that's the thing like when I'm on stage, a lot of times I'm thinking while I'm speaking. Right. You know what I mean? It's like it's like the the rehearsed part or the the part that it, that I have down pat. Once I start saying, once I say the first couple words, the rest is not automatic, but it, it you know it's pretty it, it's it's on pretty much on autopilot. And mm-hmm. and so I, basically, I I can take little two second breaks to think about like whatever what's going on in the room, what the next line is what I can connect, what I said earlier that I could pro- possibly connect to, uh, you know, whatever. So, so I, I, I always find myself, but sometimes I, sometimes I can't, I can't be in that state. I guess you would call it flow state. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I'm spinning all the plates. I'm paying attention to what's in the room. I'm, I know my, I know my set good material. I know my new material. I know stuff I could slip in. I'm, you know, or I make some kind of connection that I didn't make before, and then and sometimes it's like s- just stick to the fucking script, and sometimes it's like, and this happens when this is why I don't like to, I don't mind being high on stage, but I don't like to get high right before I go on stage because it, if the if I'm if I'm in that mode and then the weed kicks in, it's like a reset. It's like all the plates mm-hmm. fall, and then I'm like fuck, you know. So I either have to already be high before I go up. Or, or I just don't get. I just don't get high. You can achieve that state in either pre-established state, exactly. But it disrupts that flow if you switch from basically sober to high or whatever. Right. Exactly. In the middle of it. Yeah. Fucks up the continuity. So when, so when your wife says, "Are you playing Marvel Snap?" Is it like a? Is it like a? She's catching me. Not really. No, but is it is it is it like a Marvel Snap again, or is it like a teasing like, oh, you playing Marvel Snap, huh? It's more of a teasing like, because uh, well, that's the thing. It's like I mean, my wife and I play a lot of board games and stuff. She's into games as well. She doesn't play video games very much. Okay, are y'all like we, a Settlers of Catan family? We play a lot of. Have you ever played Dice Throne? No. It's Dice Throne. Dice Throne is dope. It's basically like battle yahtzee okay like you have two it's a roll and write game which roll and write game is like like yahtzee is the classic roll and write game right where it's like you roll dice and then you choose which ones to keep and then which ones to re-roll and you have a certain number of re-rolls and you're trying to get a certain hand okay right um dice throne is basically that but you have like characters that are the original game is like archetypes like gunslinger versus barbarian or whatever we have all the marvel ones so we have like uh, Black Panther versus Captain Marvel or Doctor Strange versus Black Widow or whatever. And you have a play mat with different attacks on it. And you're trying to reduce your opponent to zero life. And it's just one on one? It's the main way to play is one on one. They do have like three player games. Uh, they have a version for four or five, six players. Yeah. I, I mostly I, play one on one. I don't own any board games, but. 
whenever whenever my friends, because, you know, we at that age now, we're like, some people, do, we do that at get-togethers. Where you where People are like, hey, we're going to get together and play uh goddamn. We play this one called, I think it's called Code Names. Oh, that game's dope. Oh, that game's awesome. Yeah. It, but it's one of those things where it's like, I, I, like, playing a board game is never my idea. But I'm ne- I, but I never regret it, hardly ever. I hardly ever right. regret it. Yeah. So I mean, we ju- we've just come out of the other side of sort of a renaissance of board games. You know, last ten, fifteen years, there's been a lot of really good games have come out. Really good board games. Really, really su- good board. I'm games. surprised that that's still such a thriving industry. Too. Because I mean, it's 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 having trouble right now because it's so expensive to print stuff. Why and shipping ship? Just because the the uh, cost of paper has gone way 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 up. Why? Um, uh, because of shipping. Well, number one, because of Russia, uh, it, the shipping, the disruption in the um, supply chain, but then also just. Uh, as certain countries like a lot of things are getting more expensive now because countries like bangladesh indonesia india china that used to mainly just be a cheap source of labor to produce products for the us and europe now um because we're we've been pumping money into them for 30 years for labor and for supplies now it's raised it's raised up the lower classes. Yeah, they have they have a middle countries. class now. They now have a middle class, and so now we're competing with them for the materials and the labor that they used to supply to us for pennies on the dollar. Right. 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 So um, it's the same issue with like a lot of the metals that are required for like smartphones and other pieces of technology. Right. It's like it's one thing when we can just. Uh, economically colonize countries in Africa that have those minerals and then ship them to Asia where they can be put into phones that can be sold to Americans. But once Africans have enough money that they can buy their own phones, now we're competing with them for the same materials, right? Yeah. So it raises the prices of them. It reminds me of that. I don't know what, it was like a video that came out years ago when they like, where they had these, um, they had these African people that, uh, that pick cocoa beans Mm-hmm. And they let them taste chocolate for the first time, and they and they had no idea. They oh, had right. no idea what the beans were for. They were like, "Why the fuck they want these?" And they, <laughs> you, know, you know, and then he, he gave them chocolate. I mean, and it blew their fucking mind. I mean, imagine imagine being like thirty five and never having tasted chocolate before, and then to find out the shit the shit the the beans you've been picking and and selling are are get turned into that, right. Because the cocoa bean's not good by itself. No, it's, in fact, isn't it isn't it poisonous? Like if you I just think the shell is poisonous. Yeah, I think if you just ate a cocoa bean, you'd probably die. But I, I don't I don't know if that's true. Um, I think I think this because the the cocoa bean itself is kind of like the seed and it has like a husk. And I think that there's a poisonous, like the rind of the husk or something is 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 poisonous. I could be wrong about that. Oh, Rob, dude, I I I don't want to rant. I do want to. But I hate to randomly change the subject, but I have an article for you, and I purposely didn't put it in the pool because I because I want this to be a surprise to your brain. Okay, like you'll see. Um, um, so I kept this in pocket. Pocket's great, by the way. I wish they would sponsor us because I I use it 
every fucking day. Um, um, so I'm going to read you the headline to this article, and you tell me what you think this article is about. Okay. Woman with Down syndrome loses abortion law appeal. So what do you think is going on in this article? Like, what do you think this woman wanted, okay. and what do you think she won? Let me break it down. It, it sounds to me like there is a woman with Down syndrome mm-hmm. who is who was pregnant. Okay. And that she wanted to have an abortion. Okay. And she lives in a state where abortion is severely restricted or perhaps even outright illegal at a very early period. Okay. And she was disallowed from having that abortion and then she sued. Okay. So this is not in the United States. Oh, okay. At least I'm guessing that because she's from Coventry. That sounds like a British thing. That sounds British to me. Yeah. Um, but no, it's not that at all. Okay. So the abortion law in this place makes an exception for if the child will be born with a defect and specifically mentions things like Down syndrome and all these other things. Okay. And this lady wants that exception taken off because it, it because it defines birth defects like Down syndrome as like as defects. So it makes her feel less than. So she's not pregnant. She doesn't want an abortion. She just wants a woman that is pregnant with a baby that will have Down syndrome to have to have the baby because if she can get rid of the baby, it makes her less less than. You understand what I'm saying? Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I get it. Which is crazy. That's crazy as shit. This is what this is what I'm talking about. It's this idea that you, you know, th- this idea that nothing is a disability, nothing is undesirable. You know, I de- I dealt with this, and because listen, there are things that which people traditionally considered disabilities that that the differently abled label applies to, right? Such as deafness. I had a I had a deaf teacher um, when I took ASL in in college, and the yeah, the instructor was deaf. And I remember someone referring to deafness as a disability, and she got really upset and like explained that like because because deaf people have their own communities and their own culture and all this other yeah. stuff, and a lot of them would not choose to hear if they could. You know what I mean? Like right. the the ocular because we though we were all debating about because they have these ocular implants, Co- cochlear. I'm sorry, yeah. What did I say? Ocular, yeah. Cochlear implants. That's what they're called. And they uh, and and there are situations and there are places where like you can put them in a baby. You can put mm-hmm. one on a baby when they, before they have a choice, right? So they can be normal or whatever. And you know, and the deaf community is against that because they're like. You know that's a that's a decision they should get to make as an adult, right? Because they have this whole community and support system and all this other stuff. Anyway, so when when you say differently abled, okay, maybe it applies to that. But most other disabilities is like it's something that like no one would choose that. You know, the, the, like no no one that's missing right. no one that's missing both of their legs. If you walked up and was like, "Hey man, we got these new legs," they wouldn't be like, "No, nah, I'm good. I'm in I'm in the." <laughs> 
I'm in the I'm in the community. No, it's like you know what I'm saying. What I'm saying it's like yeah, yeah. and it's like so because because listen, I get it that like. <clears throat> Wait, can I can I I want to I want to bring up one small thing before we move on. Okay, go ahead. That particular point because I, I think so one of the things that you're talking about is there's a distinction between the medical model of disability and the social model of disability, right? Right, right. So um, just the 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 Cliff's notes on that is. Medical model is what the way that most able-bodied people sort of think of disability being, where it's like there's a way that the human body works, and when you deviate from that to a significant degree, you have a medical condition that reduces your ability to like live life normally. Right, right. And therefore, you have a you have a medical disability. And then what you're talking about with like the deaf community is you can perfectly imagine a society where no one could hear. And that society works perfectly fine, perfectly right. well, just as well as one where people can hear. And there are communities in the real world where it does work just as fine. There are whole schools and institutions where everybody's deaf and everything works perfectly, right? Right. That's the social model of disability, where it's like, well, disability is not a deviation from some like essential characteristic that humans are supposed to have. It's that how is society created? So society is created for people who can hear, right? Right. Society is created for people who are right-handed. Society is created for people who are sighted, et cetera. With the people, with the, somebody who's missing their legs, you can, you can look at that as like, well, anybody who had their legs and had their legs removed would want to have their legs back. And that's probably true. But you could also look at that as, well, it's not so much that they're missing their legs, it's that they're a wheelchair user. And wheelchair user is a much broader category. And you can imagine a society that was built for people who use wheelchairs as opposed to people mm, who use legs to get around. That's a good right? one. So, right. But, um, but. So, so anyway, so, but so anyway, you, you were, you were talking about, you're, you're making a distinction though. Yeah. But, but okay. So using your same analogy though, imagine a society full of people with Down syndrome. That's going to fall apart pretty quickly. <laughs> maybe so I mean, th- that that has to count as, like well, this is what i'm saying yeah yeah it, once yeah. once the ba- once the baby co- pops out of your pussy you have to act, you have to go i love it anyway it's it's special it's all these things but if you yeah. if you but if you if once people find out they're pregnant you go the first people go you want a boy or a girl people go ah, i just want them to be healthy mm-hmm. that's what so 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 it's like yeah it's like uh, and here's the other thing too. I don't think this Down syndrome woman. I don't think she's doing this. It's one of those things where it's her mother. This is a test case. This is a test. No, case I mean it, some... it's another person. No, that's what I mean. This it, is the, this is some organization was looking for a woman like her so it, that she would exactly. have standing, and they could bring this case on her behalf. Yeah, she's being used by these fucking religious fanatics. To make it even harder for a woman to have access to an abortion. It ain't none of your fucking business what happens to somebody else's pussy. I'm sorry. Or their body at all. It's none of your fucking business. So it so that's, it's weird that they ultimately they, what's what's wrong here is that is that there shouldn't have to be an exception. Right? Yeah. Like this this um well that's because I made the same exact assumption you did. When I saw the headline, I was like, oh, well, that's gonna clearly be like I, my my mind was creating all kinds of scenarios. I was like, oh, that's a that's a woman with Down syndrome is like fighting for her right to have a child, 
you know, like maybe she's being forced to have an abortion. So right. her baby is, isn't, or maybe she wants an abortion and can't get one or whatever. You know what I mean? Doesn't this just give, give lie to the whole framework of like a fetus is a precious child whose right to life is inviolate. And it's like, you, cause how can you make that argument? And then, because because these exceptions were not put in by, like, pro-abortion people. These exceptions are put in by anti-abortion people so that they can get anti-abortion legislation passed. You know right. what I'm saying? Right, right, the, exactly. The, where every, every, time, every time they, like, every time they say, well, but the law makes exceptions for rape and incest and disability, right? Right or birth defects or whatever. And it's like, it's like every time they do that, they're not doing that because they really care about those issues. They're doing that because they know if they don't make exceptions for that, 98% of normal people are going to be like, well, fuck no, we're not going to, not going to force some woman to bring to term the like child of her rapist or her brother. Yeah. Or Even her though daughter. in some places they are doing that. Some places, yeah, in, some places, some places do in America, that, yeah. we're, we're doing that, by the way. That's yeah. it's like, how can you with a straight face make that? See, this is my problem with religion is it's religion, astrology, you, you know, numerology, all these things that allow people to think illogically. It's like it's like without because 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 when you're like when you point out how much that doesn't make sense. Their response is, well, you know, my God says, you know, and that's all they have to do. They don't have to make sense. They don't have to prove their point. They don't have to have statistics or nothing. They just get, hey, man, that's just my beliefs. You know, this is what God says. Or, you know, and to me, that's no different than motherfuckers used to like, you know, throw sticks up in the air and depending on how they land, they would go to <laughs> war that morning. You know, it's like, yeah, you you don't have to make any sense. You'd be like, sir, we've like. We we outnumber ten to one. We can't go to battle. We waiting for reinforcements. Like, listen, the sticks landed. <laughs> we going out there. You know what I'm saying? The gods have spoken. You know, it's like that's a. It's like you don't. It it it, it completely erases. You know, it's 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 the reason why like somebody that's an expert in their field that's 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 you know completed thousands of studies and published thousands of papers. It's religion and astrology, all the supernatural bullshit is the only reason why, you, you know, some somebody that's just on Twitter, somebody that's just like a, a like they, they sell pet rocks or something, they're on the level with Neil deGrasse Tyson. They get to debate. Right. You know, you know, they get to 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 to, to debate. Uh, you know Christopher Hitchens on the same on the same on the same <laughs> on the same whoa, blah, 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 on the same level. You know, like how many times have I seen? Oh man, I, I I used to love Christopher Hitchens just because I just love him going like going to a church or, or and debating a, a rabbi or something. You know, or like you know Richard Dawkins. You know, where it's like oh this motherfucker's been studying biology for thirty plus years. And you're just a pastor. You don't know shit right. about any of that, and you, and y- and y'all are debating on equal footing. Like his, right. you know what I'm saying? It's like your flock doesn't see his expertise as anything special. 
You know, you know what I'm saying? That's that's like yeah. Well, I mean, I remember. But um, he he would win a lot. Like he would like people would boo him at first, but then he towards the end he would start getting applause. You know, he was just so good at. You know, he was sort of the opposite of Sam Harris because he would come off as a little more. He didn't. He never lost his cool. Not not very often, but he came off as a little more smarmy and arrogant. It's the British accent too. Yeah, he's a little hoity-toity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when he when he's in the but, debate, but he was also a little man. drunk, so it can't, it was it it balanced out Hawkins? a little bit. No, no, no. Uh, Christopher Hitchens, oh. he's dead. Oh, Christopher now. Hitchens, Christopher yeah, yeah, Christopher Hitchens. Hitchens. No, I've never seen Dawkins drunk. Uh, I yeah, I don't. It, it doesn't. That doesn't seem his vibe. It's it's funny, like all these because they're like the four horsemen, right? It they used to Hitchens, be. Yeah, H- Hitchens, Dawkins, Harris, and Dennett. Was that the was he the four? No, I think it was no, no, no. I could be wrong, but I think it was. It was Dawkins, Harris. Um, hold on, Dawkins, Harris, Hitchens, and um, Randy, the Amazing Randy. No, 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 definitely not. No, poor Horseman, atheism. Wait, am I saying the right person, Amazing Randy? Yeah, you. you uh, I mean, he was, a, Randy, he was a debunker, right? He was a debunker. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, R.I.P. That dude was awesome. He was uh, fucking great. Yeah. Major figures include Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, Christopher Hitchens, and Daniel Dennett. Okay, Daniel Dennett. I don't know anything about Dennett. Um, Daniel Dennett is a neuro neuroscientist, I believe. He um Should he, I buy one of his books? Yeah, his books are good. He has an he's had an interesting debate that's been long running with Sam Harris about the existence or lack thereof of free will. Um, and oh uh, yeah, I've read Sam Harris's I, paper on free will. Yeah, I I tend to come down on Daniel Dennett's side about it, um, even though he is. I, I think his I think his perspective on free will is a little more nuanced. Um, I don't think that anything Sam Harris says about free will is necessarily wrong, but I think that Daniel Dennett reframes it around what free will actually is, which it's not that sort of libertarian free will that you could have chosen otherwise, but it's that the concept of free will is so embedded in the human conception of what other humans are, is that it exists nonetheless as a sort of... um, kind of like a a shared concept that we need that that it that it become that has become part of the substrate well let's well let's fill everyone in sam, sam harris's stance on free will is basically and correct me if i fucked this up at all his stance on free will is basically that you are a biological computer mm-hmm. that was given for lack of a better term given code you know, the moment you came into being and every, and everything is inevitable, right? Like you, you, you no more, you, you're no more choosing than, than your, you know, than your smartphone is choosing. It's like you're, you're a computer that when given input will put out a specific output because of the arrangement of all your neurons and all this other stuff, you're, you are going to make a specific choice. 
and you and you don't really have a choice in the matter, right? Um, but he isn't making the argument that you aren't responsible for your choices. Um, that's pretty much in the. I mean, you know, that, that's not. I'm not doing a good job at summarizing his argument, but that's basically what it is. And so you're saying Dennett is saying um, free will may not exist in the strictest terms, but the concept exists among us. And so it is real, like the, like the same way money's real, where it's like we've made yes. up money. Yes. But we've all decided that it's real. So and we use it. So it's real. And a motherfucker will still chop your head off for a thousand dollars. You know what I'm saying? It's right. like. So it, it is, and 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 when it comes to philosophy, when it comes to law, when it comes to just social interactions with each other, we still need to act as if people have agency because we need to delineate between when somebody is actually like forced to do something by external factors versus forced to do something by internal factors. Right, right, right. right. We, we we can't live as though there is no free will because then no one's responsible for anything. That right. doesn't make any exactly. sense. You know, the, right. the, the concepts of so the, the distinction here is they're both determined. There's people who believe in determinism versus free will. So you were predetermined to make the choice that you made. Right. Right. But the, di- the distinction is on the uh, on the level of combat compatibilism, which is whether or not determinism is compatible with a notion of agency. Mm. And so Sam Harris believes, no, they're not really compatible because if if your choices are predetermined, then because your reactions are predetermined, right? It's just external input comes in, processes by by the computer inside your head, and then it spits out output, right? That's deterministic. You don't have any true agency. And uh, Daniel Dennett is not necessarily disagreeing with that that process stripped of context, but he is saying that process is so complex that um, it's not predictable, number one, and the lack of predictability presents us with the illusion of agency, and that illusion is so powerful that we have evolved both physically like as a species but also our societies and institutions have evolved in such a way that we kind of have this assumption of agency so we have to live at so it's a way to sort of um say like yes uh human beings are ultimately computers if you want to use that or, or robots if you want to use that model. And yet we have to live and think as if humans have agency. Right. Right. Yeah. That, and that all, both those all make sense to me. Yeah. They both make sense. I, 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 I also I, love I, Sam's paper on truth on, t- on, or, or on lying. I forget which, which one it was. He, it's interesting that he mostly focuses on lying and why you shouldn't lie as opposed to why you should tell the truth. Right. Right. I do think those two things are distinct. Okay, yeah. This is a big brain episode, everybody. Yeah. Rob loves these. You, did you notice how we we had spicy Rob in the morning, and as soon as this nigga got to start talking smart, he fucking livened up. It's, it's coffee. He got a cup of coffee and got and, and started and did, and was like, "I'm going to unleash my whole vocabulary on you, motherfuckers." <laughs> no, we love it. We love Rob with access to his full 
vernacular. When I'm at KOKEN times 500. Yeah, see, I used the word vernacular just now, but I'm not 100% certain if I used it correctly. And that is how everything should be. Uh-huh. I'm not as confident in my intelligence as Rob is. Uh, uh, but I don't, have, I don't have a degree. I, so that's the thing. I don't want to lead people astray. I went to college, but I didn't finish. And it's because I started with philosophy, and you can't, you should not do that. You shouldn't take no philosophy classes till you're two years into college. Mm. Because if you start thinking about college logically, you're going to be like, I should get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you can't yeah, be, yeah. you can't start with philosophy because you're going to start be like, well, wait a minute. Well, what is the point in all? Nah, don't do that. Don't do what I did. Um, I have a, I have a, speaking of philosophy, I have a book recommendation for everybody, for you as well. I mean, but you might have read it already. What? Uh, it's called The Existentialist Cafe. The Existentialist? You know what? I'm going to get that on Audible real quick. I think I got a credit this month. By uh, Sarah Bakewell, I believe is her name. The Existentialist's Cafe by Sarah Bakewell. Yeah. Yeah, Sarah Bakewell. Um, um, this book is excellent. It is essentially a... a um, it's about... Um, Simone de Beauvoir and Jean-Paul Sartre and their whole crew from the mid 20th century and it gives sort of a um, it, it, it explains existentialist philosophy and its place in philosophy like the history of philosophy but it does it by talking about the context in which existentialist philosophy uh, came about, which was the lives of these people in Germany and and France um, before, during, and after the Second World War. And, um, and it traces the intellectual development back through uh, phenomenology, which was, that was the hot shit in the 19th century was phenomenology. Okay. Yeah, I think a lot of stuff came. The world, so World War Two birthed a lot of, you know, because then that also birthed like nihilism and. Uh, well, some some stuff came out of uh, nihilism came before because a lot of stuff came out of World War One. Oh uh, yeah. Well, war. Um, war. Yeah, war. Wars. Wars tend to do that shit. Yeah, and it's weird. It's weird too how like a lot of religion comes from. Like when you when you think when you think because what it what it what it all does is it it's a lot of a lot of philosophies or ways of thinking come from the circumstances in which people were living when those things came about right right like you that's why you got that's why you got like Buddhism um, and Hinduism that like tell you that like that like desire creates suffering mm-hmm. you know so you should you should not want things you should live your life simple and but it, but it, it that was that came out of a time where people didn't have shit <laughs> you know like right. people were yeah. poor as fuck and starving and it was like the way to deal with that is to be like oh but this is this is the righteous way to be living is to not want right. you know and and, it, and it's not to say that that things from those philosophies are not useful there's useful things in all in all religions and philosophies you know but uh, but it, it it's if you go to the beginning of every religion, you can see the connection between how the majority of the people are living in that area in that time and and 
how that affected, you know, while the religion was being created, how it affected what, what's virtuous and what's acceptable and what, you know, that's those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think that's what's interesting about this book, Existentialist Cafe, is that um, phenomenology and existentialism and then leading into absurdism can be very, very confusing to read in the actual texts because they are devoid of the context that gave rise to them. Mm. So you're like, I, I don't really know what they're talking about. But when you, when you learn those concepts in the context of what was happening in the lives that these people were living and the societies that they existed in, it makes it a lot easier to understand what they're actually talking about. Right. And it makes it easier to learn what the philosophy, what the actual philosophy was that they were promoting. Yeah. And I think it would probably, it's way easier to do that with philosophy than, when, than with religion necessarily, just because it's like, I feel like, you know, anytime you're at the end of a world war, it seems pretty logical that you're like, well, the shit we were doing ain't working. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we keep being, because like, has there ever been a year or has there, I don't think there's never not been war. No, there's always wars. There's always wars. And, you know, and it's wild to, you know, the major wars, you know, happen cyclically. But we, it's like, it's like, there's a lesson that we haven't learned is, is, uh, and I don't, I don't even know what it is, honestly. Brian, Uh, you're getting way too close to writing a Gundam right now writing a Gundam yeah that's what that's what that's what that's what Gundam is always about right oh I don't know I'm not a Gundam guy you don't watch Gundam oh shit no well, should I oh uh, you've just un- you've just unlocked another nerdy Rob yeah I, you uh, know it's one of those things that's been near me for a long time it's been in my peripheral I just haven't looked that way yet because it because it, it's also one of those things that it's um there's so much to it that I feel like so behind, and it, it it to me it just seems like a giant thing that I would have to tackle, and I just haven't had the time yet. But uh, fundamentally, fundamentally, what Gundam is about, and I'm sure people are going to at me in the comments because that's not what Gundam's about. But this is what I think Gundam is about. Um, Gundam is always about what is the nature of man? Is the nature of man peaceful or? No. warlike no it isn't and and the and so you have a thesis and into and and antithesis right the 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 synthesis that um gundam comes to is that well the nature of man is to be locked in a cycle of war peace and revolution and um oh damn that's and, that's depressing <laughs> yeah well but I think it's true. I think it's true. I mean, even even when you even when you look at like the history of science, the history of um, nation states, the history of wars, uh, history of philosophy and religion, that's that's what we do. I mean, I just watched a video by um, it was a video essay by the YouTube channel Struthless, uh, which is a great great channel. I'll link it in the show notes. But um, it was the history of fonts. And typefaces, okay, going back to like you know move uh, going all the way back to like prior to cuneiform, right? So going back to like eighty five hundred BC, and uh, what's interesting is, especially after the invention of 
the of uh, set type or movable type, um, you see this slingshot back and forth between mon- modernism and radicalism mm. between between typeface. So what happens is people are like, we're going to do this. This is going to be the main way. Like this is the way the Romans did it. This is the way that the the newspaper of record is going to do it. We have all of these like serif fonts. It's legible. Yada yada yada. And then people do that for a little while, and that's the hot shit. And then people are like, you know what? Fuck that. Like that's that's bourgeois or that is monarchist or whatever. And you have like Dadaism or you have new romanticism or something. And people start doing really experimental things with typefaces and using punctuation as letters and all this crazy stuff. It's very punk. And then then that gets co-opted by institutions, right? right? That becomes cool. So advertisers start making their shit look like punk or looking like grunge or whatever. Right, and then people right? catch on and they like... And people catch on. And then now the rebel thing is, well, now we're going to reject this like false rebelliousness and we're well, going to well, make it I, look modern again. Well, I like a thing, I like a thing that you... Well, because I, I think we're glossing over the the thing because here here's why here's my theory on why that happens is be it's and it's kids because because as kids become teenagers what's cool is they define what's cool as as the opposite of what their parents thought think is cool yes so it's like it's when you become old, it's not that like you hate young people's music. It's that they are making it so that you don't like it. Cause that's what makes right. it cool. Like it's, it's not, it doesn't automatically make it cool, but a prerequisite to cool is that you, is that you don't like it. It's my thing. Right. You know what I mean? And so, and so it, it, it you know, that, but it, that's why things repeat themselves. You know, that's why like fashion skips a generation, you know, like now the, 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 like the way we dressed in the nineties, our parents were like, what the fuck are you doing? Right. Right. And then, and then, and then the new kids came out and was like, that's corny. And now the new kids now are like, it's vintage. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, and it was like, a lot of our shit was vintage from the seventies. Like the kids that grew up with kids in the nineties, you know, like remember when bell bottom jeans was a thing? Yeah. It was like bell bottoms yeah. were popular in the seventies. They was corny in the eighties and they came back in the nineties and, you know, it, so it's like it's it's always going to be like that. Where it's like your kids just don't want you to think every, they don't want you to be cool with everything they're doing because they don't have that. It's I think it's there's an inherent uh, need to rebel for you to feel like for you to feel like you have agency. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? With the, it's like the moment you the moment you even because I think almost right away kids are like I want to do what I want, but you can't. Yes. And then right around when you're a teenager, it's like, oh, I can do what I want or or I can be defiant. I'm big enough to be defiant because no one can pick me up and put me in a cage or, you know, right. whatever. And so it's I, I feel like I'm I'm kind of getting lost in the weeds here. But my point is just that I think it's a it's it's a biological imperative that you rebel, at least to some degree. Well, it's you why know? it's good. Uh, I, I hope humanity never figures out a way to become immortal. Because yeah, as soon as we do, that's a wrap. Because the only the, the latest episode of Star Talk is about that. By the way, 
Oh, really? About whether we'll I'll ever be to, immortal. Yeah. I'll have to listen to that. But, um, I mean, I don't think we ever will be immortal, but I also think it Oh, yes, be... we will. Yeah. It's, we are very... The technology already... We're very close to being able to... We're very close to being able to back up our brains digitally. That would not be real immortality, Brian. No, it's a philosophical. Well, I'm going to get there, but but you've heard the phrase "science progresses one funeral at a time," right? Mm. Damn, I, I, damn, that's dope. That's that's cold, and that's probably true of society in general. Yeah, yeah, society yeah. in general, because in in science, what ends what ends up happening is like you have. Uh, you have the things we know. You have the you know because people, people and I, myself included, we we talk about science. So you know, science is not a body of knowledge. Science is a method for achieving knowledge, right? Right. And it's like that's true, but it's also not the whole story because science is also a body of knowledge. It's like well, it's it's it 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 has institutions that are run by men with yeah. egos. Yeah. And yeah. Um, uh, and so when you say science, you can mean the process, you can mean the body of knowledge, you can mean the institutions that create and preserve those bodies of knowledge, et cetera. And what ends up happening is, you know, you have these wonderkins, the upcoming generation are interested in science. They go to, they go to school, they get training in science, and they're being trained by the older generation, by the professors, right, right? by their mentors. The mentors have the things that they think that they know. Right. 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 And they will fight tooth and nail to preserve the validity of the things that they think that they know. Right. Because so if the thing, the the thing you've you worked your whole life to master is no longer relevant, then you ain't shit. Right. Yeah. So the younger generation, they are basically when they when they create new knowledge, what they're doing is they are uh, upending the established or assumed knowledge that exists from the older generation. But so you have this tension, once again, war, revolution, peace, you have that same pattern where eventually the older people die and the younger people who have the new ways of seeing the world, they take over those positions, yeah. right? I feel, in the institution, I feel like we should do this like the, like the Vulcans. It's like, yo, you hit a certain age, we just you're dead. Like we kill you. You're gone. Yeah, it's like you're taking the up pre, resources. The super intelligence from Marvel Comics. Yeah. When you die, you get added to Supremor. Or maybe what we do is like we we colonize body. Mars, right? And then when you and then when you seventy, that's we send you over there. But I do. I don't want to. I don't want to let this go by the uh, I do not believe that um, if you were to be able to download or copy your brain to a machine that I don't believe that that is you any more than a high quality scan of the Mona Lisa is the Mona Lisa it's a copy now you might be able to produce a copy of yourself. Well, it may not be literally you, but it's effectively you. But what do I care? That's just a copy of me. That's like a that's like a 
That's like that's like saying if so, you have so, two twins and one of them dies, the they live on in the other one. It's like, well, not really. Okay, well, so, so let me ask you this: Is a clone you? No. Right. Uh, I, I think the because a twin's not you either. But the the no, but I mean, the, right? The backup of you is more you than if I literally made another you. Because, because, because who you are isn't just right, like your body. Right. Right. So, so it's, it's your mind and you can't copy that. You can't clone somebody's mind. You can't clone their experiences or what led them to be. You you can't clone the nurture and clone the nature. You can't clone the nurture. This lets you do that. Yeah. But the, I mean, if I backed up my mind and then I was in a computer, I mean, I guess, I mean, cause then what ethically, I think you would have to end your physical life if you did that. Can't be two of you, but this is but this is a this is a classic philosophical conundrum. Like, okay, imagine, imagine that somebody invents a teleportation device, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's you know it's like the fly, like the prestige. Right? You have two pods. It's the prestige. Yeah, you have two. You have two two pods, and I walk into one, and it scans my entire body down to the the atom right down to the the quarks inside of the atoms, right? Right. And it creates an exact duplicate of that in the other pod. And then at the moment of creation over there, it instantaneously vaporizes me in the first pod, right? Mm -hmm. Is the person that walks out of pod B, is that that Rob? Yes. Is that me? Yeah. Yes, See, I say it's not. It's well, like like I was saying earlier, it it isn't you literally a hundred percent, but for all for all intents and purposes, it's you. All the people in your life that that get something from knowing Rob, whether that's love, affection, advice, labor, whatever, they can still get all the same things. So, so then let me ask you this: Let's say there's a malfunction, okay, and I step into Pod A. It scans me, reproduces me, a duplicate of me in pod B, but the function in pod A that's supposed to vaporize me does not trigger. So now I walk out of pod A and pod B at the same time. Mm-hmm. Is pod B still, the? is the person who came out of pod B still me? Yes. So now there's two of them. They're, they're you and they're more deserving of being alive than the person that walked out of part A. Because we got to kill one of y'all. <laughs> right? Because the thing is, the dude that walks into part A intended to die. You shouldn't be here. You're a mistake. The dude that walked out of part B is Rob. The dude, the dude that was in part A, that's old Rob. That's He's a throwback, a relic. Well, maybe he's Rob Prime, though. I mean, yeah, maybe this is just a this is just a copy, and you know, and, and I'm and I'm pretty sure, like, if the copy made a copy and you kept doing that, you probably end up with like a bizarro Rob. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so, so yeah, I get, I would just say, I mean, maybe maybe you could make the argument that like the you know you become a little less Rob every time you. So maybe maybe the pod A Rob is prime Rob, and you get a and you get a little less Rob, like like the first copy is a molecule off. Mm-hmm. And then the second copies too, and and so forth. 
And so, yeah, you would end up being pretty in pretty bad shape by the time you got to like the thousandth copy. Did you ever read X Factor, the, the comic X Factor? No. With uh, it's probably uh, X Men or whatever, but it's uh, Jamie Madrox, Multiple Man. Um, I hate that fucking card in Marvel Snap, by the way. It's a it's a great card. That's uh, but um, Multiple Man, his you know power set is that he can convert like concussive energy or physical damage or whatever into copies of himself. So look, if you punch him, then like another multiple man will bloop out of him. Right. Right. And so if he's in a fight, you, you know, he very quickly multiplies into a bunch of, bunch of copies of himself. Right. But is, but is the, he, is the new guy damaged as well? Uh, no, because it kind of like absorbs, it converts the energy oh, okay. that would have damaged him into like the energy. It's like, it's kind of like a Bishop, how like Bishop can absorb energy and like blast it out of his, fists right right or whatever anyway so so originally with multiple man it was just that was just his power like whatever like x-men every x-men has to have like a unique power or whatever um he eventually became like an awesome character when he was in x-factor because they introduced this thing where it wasn't a degraded version of him but different uh copies of him had slightly different personalities and um and oh, shit. they found they they discovered that the reason why is because he wasn't actually creating those copies. Those copies are coming from alternate universes where he lived a slightly different life. So they're genetically identical to him, but they might have different abilities or expertise or knowledge. So wait a minute, if multiple man, if you punch multiple man, like he doesn't reabsorb the copies? He can reabsorb the copies, but he doesn't do it automatically. And there's actually there's an amazing story. Uh, where so I'd imagine one of the multiple men would probably not want to go back to their. Yes, there have been. Well, yeah, there there was one. There was one uh, story in X Factor um, where uh, there was a copy of Multiple Man that like didn't want to be a superhero or whatever. So he went off and he just like became a normal civilian. <laughs> Like he had like a wife and a family and all this kind of stuff. And, and, <laughs> and the whole story is like, you're just seeing like a normal day in this guy's life. And you're like, why are we, why are we seeing this? And at the end of it, because there's this sub subplot happened in the background where multiple man like needed to reabsorb his copies. He just walks up and he's like, Bloop, and just like erase this dude uh... from the world and like essentially orphaned this kid's he widowed that he widowed his own wife and he orphaned his child because uh the Jamie Madrox prime had to like reabsorb all his copies but the, but what, so what stops multiple man from getting pulled into another dimension um there's some you know there's some bullshit comic book reason okay. for it like he's the prime timeline or or something right right know. right yeah. Know, some 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 horseshit multiverse argument that this is the real timeline or something. I don't D know. This has been such a heavy episode. Let's do one light thing and sure. and and uh before we go. All right. One um fuck, nothing's light anymore. Uh, you sent me one that I was like, "Oh, that's great." Was it like do pl can plants see? Oh, there's a can plants see. I think I also sent you one about the 
man, was there like a, a cocaine plant or something? Oh, taking hypo, taking hydrocortisone immediately after a traumatic event may help prevent. No, that's. Uh, um, Oh, you know what? There is a uh, let me let me. There's one funny story. Oh yeah, is it the on the, the weird and stupid? Uh, genetic. There's a genetically modified. I just sent you this one. Genetically modified tobacco plant produces cocaine in its leaves. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whereabouts? Uh, here, I'll send this to you. Let's see. Yeah, cocaine cocaine doesn't really do do anything for me though. But I know some people that would be real excited about that. That's like they're, that's, they're I know a lot of people are like, that's my two favorite things. <laughs> we need to do more scientific research on uh I mean I understand why it's difficult, but on combinations of drugs. Because there's some drugs that are shit by themselves but are great in combination, and then there's some drugs that are great by themselves or vice, vice versa that are shit by themselves great com- great in combination or great by themselves and shit in combination oh yeah for sure um, like alcohol and weed is a match made in heaven yeah you know what's wild is a friend of mine the other night was on shrooms and cocaine i was like i don't think you should do those together no that's a bad that seems like a bad yeah, because because you know you know you're doing some bad shit when like two pretty common drugs when their combination doesn't have a nickname. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I think you know because if you do Molly and one thing, it's candy flipping. I think if you do Molly and shrooms, it's Jedi mind trick or something like that. But yeah. but if you do but cocaine and shrooms, I don't. There's not a name for that. At least that, not that I know of. Why, why does the sound keep going up? It's, it's, oh, it's, it's, I think it's my headphones and not the mic. Um, but let me look it up, though, to make sure. Cocaine and shrooms. <sighs> uh, no, man, I'm not seeing anything. I don't see anything. Yeah. Let me add nickname to the search. Uh, can taking a hallucinogen curb cocaine use? Well, of course. Probably. That's what I was just saying earlier is... Um, a lot of people I know have quit after, quit smoking after. Sh- oh, that's what I said on the last episode. A lot of people I know have quit smoking after shroom trips. You know, um, but uh, unlike with alcohol and nicotine, there is not a pharmacological option available to individuals addicted to cocaine to help them stop using the drug. However, oh yeah, but the, but there's a natural solution to that. It's like you either run out of money or you die. Um. Yeah, man, the, the economy's so bad, cokeheads are now having to smoke crack. It's 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 unbelievable. We aren't advocating for everyone to go out and do it. Why not? See, man, you know what? I hate it. Because shit like that reminds me of, uh, of like, Joe, how Joe Biden, how, like, you know, despite all the evidence and research and anecdotal tales and all this other stuff, this motherfucker can just, you know, with regards to marijuana, he can just be like, yeah, I just can't. I just can't. You know, it's like the, the, some of these old fucks are just stuck in in the past. And they, it, it, you know, the people they care about impressing are all 70 years old. So 
They're just like, ah, yeah, can't do the weed. Can't legalize the weed. Can't do that. I'm surprised Trump Dude. didn't do it. Because yeah. well. it would have it would have endeared him to a lot of people. It would have made a lot of people confused about how about how much to hate the motherfucker. That's true. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. But the problem is his his core demographic is old white people. And old white people don't like weed. Well, old white people don't like weed being legal. A lot of them like weed. That's anyway. my point. They it's just like, know bro, that they're not gonna get arrested for it. Yeah, every city I've been to runs on drugs. Yeah. Society runs on drugs, on people being able to feel how they want to feel when they want to. Well, there's an there's an incredible one of the best bits ever by Bill Hicks about once you realize um how capitalism uh uses drugs, then you understand why the drugs that are legal are legal and why the ones that are illegal are illegal. Yeah, it's all money. Yeah, it's all it's money. All and it's all it's all, you know, the stuff that will make you more productive tends to be tends to be legal. Well, you know where I'm gonna be productive this weekend, Rob? Where's that? Or this coming week is uh actually I don't even know when this is coming out. This is gonna come out next week, so you'll be in Davenport? I'll I'll be in Davenport, Iowa next week. One night only, December tenth at the Rhythm City Casino. Um, and then followed that two weeks later, Scottsdale, Arizona, Huntsville, Alabama, Nashville, Tennessee, and New York City. New York City. New York City. So go to my website, BrianSimpsonComedy.com for tickets. Uh, go to my socials, BS Comedian. I'm also on TikTok now. Yeah, two days on, t- three, no, now it's been like four days on TikTok. They immediately banned the audio from one of my jokes I posted. My very first video, <laughs> they banned the audio because, and I'm pretty sure it's because I say "nigga" in the first five seconds, and then I appealed and I won, and they put it back. The system works. Yeah, and but because I'm not sure if they were like, "Oh, this is a black person saying nigga," or if they were like, "He's shitting on cops," so it's cool, you know, mm-hmm. because it's a very, very tricky place, TikTok, you know, and the rules for like. Because I posted one video, it went, not even viral, but it was, it's already up to close to a million views. And I posted another video. TikTok, the numbers don't even make any sense to me. Because it's like, if you get a million views on YouTube for something, then that's something. Right. If you get a million views on TikTok, it's like, apparently that ain't shit. Well, what, what, what is my thing? I posted, I got a million, almost a million views on the first one. Almost a million, and the second one is now up to like three quarters of a million. And then I posted a third one, 500. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost so it's like it's all about the algorithm showing your video to people and like what people see and, you know, your subscribers. Because the thing is, if I have what I don't get is if I have because it's almost now 10,000 followers. Why don't you at least show it to them? Right. Like I shouldn't have any videos below the amount of followers I have. Right. It doesn't make any sense. So I, it's, right. anyway, the, but 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 I refuse to be a slave to the algorithm. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, well, you have to, you know, put it in this font and wake up at, you know, you have to make sure you post it exactly five minutes after midnight to maximize. Fuck all of that. It's like I'm going to post when I have time and when I don't, I won't. That, you know, but I, I can't because I, I don't even want to be on TikTok because I don't, there's one more fucking thing I have to worry about and I don't want to have to hire a social media manager because then it's not even me. So it's, it's not authentic, you know? 
So it's right. it's a uh, I don't know. It's just a lot. And I comedians I, I, are in a, comedians are are in that donut hole, right? Yeah. Where it's like we it's have like to do it. If you're just a normal person, then you have like 300 followers and you just do just put out whatever you want. And if you're Chris Evans or whatever, then you just pay for other people to do that and nobody even knows what your real TikTok is or right. your real Instagram. And then there are some people that like their content creators. Like right. that's the, what they do for money. And so they have to do all of that shit because that's how they make money. You know? Yeah. 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 It's wild. YouTube is the freest platform. I think YouTube is the best social media platform. I mean, it's definitely the one that I spend the most time on. I spend the most time on it. They have the least bullshit rules. I mean, they're weird about monetization and stuff like that. You know, it's not like they're completely free of their own bullshit. But um, they also need to fix their like takedown. Uh, the, oh. the way there, there's like some trolling shit that people can do to to stifle discussion you know so like if you if you if you um if you criticize certain i mean even even certain stand-up comedians let's say then they will um they will copyright strike your your content even though it's very clearly within uh fair use that's a that's a topic for another day it is uh thank y'all for tuning in i'll see y'all motherfuckers next week <laughs>